So would you please turn with me to a very exciting place in the Word of God. Let me tell you why it's so exciting. It's in, it's in Romans, the third chapter, and we're going to move into the fourth chapter. A very exciting place in this particular time of, of Scripture. Romans chapter 4 really becomes a very exciting place, and it's exciting because of what has taken place in the other chapters that we've just studied, chapters 1, 2, and 3. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, let's face it, Paul really told the people difficult things. He told them that there was no hope for them spiritually on their own accord. He was trying to tell them that you cannot go to God the way that you think that you've been always trying to go to Him. It is by faith. And this is, this is what he is going to teach us now, starting in the the end of the third chapter to the fourth chapter. And he's going to hit it really hard. And I'm going to enjoy it. And what he's going to do tonight, actually, tonight and, and, and the couple of weeks following, is he's going to give us an example of two of the great heroes of the Jewish faith, Abraham and David. Tonight we're going to look at Abraham because this place in Scripture causes some to think that the Bible contradicts itself. Because between here in Romans chapter 4 and James chapter 2, which I believe some of you are studying, there is a, there is a, a reason to think that, that, that there is a contradiction within the Word of God. One says, Paul, here in Romans chapter 4, that, that you are justified by faith and faith alone works has nothing to do with it. James, on the other hand, in chapter 2, tells us that we are justified by our works. Without our works, faith is dead. Who's right? I'm here to tell you both of them agree. It's just that you need to bring them side by side and look at them so that you understand Scripture by Scripture. Otherwise, it will look like there's a contradiction within the Word of God. So this is a fun night. This is a night almost like a Bible study kind of a thing uh, uh, where we just sit around and talk and reason together. What is Paul saying and why does he say that? Because James has said something that looks quite different. Here's the situation. Paul has made the case that in chapter 3, starting with, I think, verse 9 to verse 18, he said, none of you are righteous. Not even one. There's none of you who does good. You are all useless. So he is laying a case before the people that they are of no value. And so what he is doing, if, if, you're, if he's talking to someone that really wants to know God, really has a a thought process that I don't want to go to hell. I want to have this eternal bliss with the Savior. I want to know Him, so I better ramp up my goodness. I better ramp up the whole idea of who I am. I better start to work at this thing called faith. Now, last week, if you weren't able to come in the morning... I said, some people have a problem with faith. They place their faith in their faith instead of their faith in our Savior. Now, I don't know how I came up with that, but I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> you know, it's one of, every once in a while you're writing something and you go, whoa, 
that's good. <laughs> but some people really do. They get it kind of confused. And they get confused with their walk with Christ. And they think that their faith has to be built upon their faith. And listen, you and I can't muster up enough faith to make ourselves right with God. Our faith must be in our Savior. And that's what Paul is saying. Now, he's going to try to reason with the people in Rome and those who, who feel that, that, that we're wretched human beings and we have no hope, so we better ramp it up. We better become good people. And we try to work out our faith. And I want you to see what Paul says. And we'll compare it with James. We won't duck and hide Scripture. Not here at this church. We'll, we'll look at it face right face on. There'll be some people, I was going to say, I will. There'll be some pastors that wouldn't touch these two, these two uh, issues side by side. But we, we will because we want to know what is truth. And we want to understand what God is saying to us so that we can, we can see that there's not contradictions within the Word of God. There's not. Okay, let's, uh, let's, let me just introduce this. That wasn't even my introduction. That was just a little bit of what I wanted to say to you and wish you a very happy Thanksgiving and tell you I love you with all my heart. I love you, folks. I love you so much with all my heart. Last, last time we gathered together... <coughs> We, we saw that God loved those who, who comes to him through faith. We, we, you didn't, if you weren't here at, at Sunday morning service, in Romans chapter 3, we looked at two power-packed verses, verses 24 and 25. And we looked at words that, that, that are in those particular two verses, like justified. The word justified, we reasoned out to mean just as if I'd never sinned. So we've been justified. We've, we've been given this gift, freely given. We saw the word grace. We saw the word redemption, propitiation, faith, the blood of Christ, righteousness that has been given to us by the Father. And what we saw was the freedom that God has freely given to His children, those of us who have trusted in Him through salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ. We are free from all guilt, He has told us, because Jesus Christ, as we sang, paid the price. His blood, His life, His resurrection is given to all who will be believe in Him by faith. And because we are justified, because we are just as if I'd never sinned, we are then declared by God as not guilty of sin. God has acquitted all of us who have faith in Him completely from all sin. Sin in our past, sin right now, and sin that we might do in the future been forgiven. It's all under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so my friend, if, if I may say to you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are set free. You are set free like no other person on the face of this good earth. God has so blessed us. You have a perfect standing before God Almighty. Thanks be to His Son, 
Jesus Christ. Well, today we come to this, this wonderful place in Scripture that talks about faith and works. Let's take a look at it. Would you please read with me first? We're going to read a couple of times. We're going to start by reading in chapter 3, verses 26 to 31. Watch. Verse 26. Uh, Paul is explaining about the demonstration of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. He says in verse 26, For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded? By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since indeed God, who will justify the circumcised by faith, and, may I add the word also, the uncircumcised through faith is one. Do we then nullify the law through faith? No, he says, may it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Faith establishes the law, is what Paul is teaching right now. Now, let's figure this out. It's critical to understand. It's freeing in, in our faith as believers in Jesus Christ. So, let's pray. Father, please privilege us with this great, great honor of sensing your presence within our own lives, our own hearts right now. As I often pray, Father, would you please open up our hearts so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Open up our eyes and our, our very most being that we might understand more of you. Move me aside, Father, so that I would not hinder what you want to do or say to every one of us here. Please, Father, bless us. Let us not wrestle with the, the trivial things of this world when we have a, such a great God whom we can worship. Turn to you, Father, at every, at every corner and, and find you there waiting for us. Lord, bless us, please. Bless us this Thanksgiving season and as we move on into the very precious time of celebrating the birth of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May this Christmas season be, Father, one that would be one of the best we have ever had. So, Father, thank you now for this time together. Guide us through this place in Scripture, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. What Paul is going to do tonight well, what he did when he wrote this, was defend his teaching on faith over works. I, I believe, doesn't stay here, but I believe that Paul so berated these people, so put them down in chapters 1, 2, and 3, so telling them that they had no hope that all of a sudden he's watching them become nervous about their faith. How are we going to, to accomplish this then, Paul? Do we have to step it up? It's, 
It's like trying to make someone do more than is possible for them to do. So Paul wants to show them that faith is the issue in their life, not works. You can't work your way there. And so Paul is going to defend his teaching on faith over works. Now he's going to use two men. We're going to look at one of them tonight. Abraham and David. Two men who were highly regarded by the Jews. Abraham was the father. He was the, the one that set the course. He was the forefather. David, on the other hand, was their king. He was respected as their warrior and king, David. And so in, in Romans chapter 3, where we just read out of verses 26 to 31, Paul concludes that his teaching is that you are justified by faith. And as it says in verse 31, the end of chapter 3, we establish through faith the law. Now, how, what does he mean by that? Stay with me. This is extremely important. In verse 26, Paul says that Jesus Christ, the one who we must believe in, is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in him. He is the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in him. And so he says, because of what Jesus did in verse 27, that you and I cannot boast. We can't boast of the law, nor can we boast of the works that we have done. No, because salvation can only come through faith, he says in verse 27. Then in verse 28, he says, faith comes apart from the works of the law. In other words, you cannot work your way to have enough faith to be right before God. And so he says in verses 29 and 30, the end of this particular chapter, before we get to verse 31, he says, therefore, this faith is for everyone, Jew, Gentile alike. All of us can come to God by faith. As he has said before, uh, remember when he, when he said, oh, I shouldn't do this because, I, oh yeah, in verse 22 of chapter 3, he says, for all who believe, because there's no distinction. God doesn't pull anybody out or, or, or drag anybody in. It's, it's, there's no distinction with God. It's for Jew and Gentile alike. So, by the teaching of justification through faith, just as if I've never sinned, is given to everyone who believes, Paul says in verse 31, which is a great, great verse. I mean, verse 31 is monumental. So he asks them the question that, that I'm asking you. Then through our faith, do we nullify the law through faith? You see, here's the point. Listen now. He knows he's talking to a bunch of Jewish people. The law to them was everything. They had a covenant with God. God Almighty gave them the law. And he's, he's thinking, I'm sure he's hearing the rumor that some of them are saying, well, then the law is of no value. It's just faith. And Paul says in verse 31, do we nullify the law, the law through faith? No, he says, may that never be. On the contrary, because of faith, I've added the word because of faith, we establish the law. And through that statement, 
Paul teaches that Old Testament and New Testament saints all personally must trust, have faith in God, and that faith that we have in God is more fundamental to our belief than the legal concept of the law or by the things that you and I do to make God happy with us. Nothing you and I can do to make God happy with us apart from trusting in His Son, Jesus Christ. Everything else, everything else is just an expression of our love. Everything else that we do apart from our faith it's just an expression of love. Before I came out here, I texted my wife. She's at home resting. And um, I just told her I loved her. Why? So that I'd become more married? No. I'll grant you it might make things a little happier at home when I go home, but that's not why I text her I loved her. I text her, I love her. In fact, I did, you know, these new fashion phones, I took a picture of myself sitting in there. <laughs> and I said, who loves you, baby? And I sent it to her. And, 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 and I did that purely to make her smile and purely to, to let her know that I love her. Now, if I could, I would text my Lord, take a picture and send it. Love you. Not so that I'm saved, because I'm saved. Just because I love you. So, Paul is saying that the legal concept of the law, trying to work our way, isn't going to, isn't going to carry any weight. It's faith. And he's going to show, through Abraham and David, these two very righteous men that they were justified, that's that word, just as if they'd never sinned or, or found not guilty before God Almighty. How? He says, by faith alone, rather than by the works of the law. Does that nullify the law? No, no. May that, God forbid, he says, on the contrary. As far as salvation is concerned, and that's what Paul is talking about here, the gospel does not replace the law. The gospel doesn't override the law. Listen now. The law, this is why, the law was never a means to salvation. That's where a lot of people get it messed up. They think that this here is a means to salvation. No, this was written to show you how desperately you need a Savior. It can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can. So you don't want to put all your faith in your faith. You want to put your faith in your Savior, Jesus Christ. The law, though, had its purpose. That's what Paul is saying. The, the law was given to show us God's perfect standard and to show us that God's perfect standard is impossible impossible to reach in our own power. You cannot work your way to heaven, is what Paul is saying. And so for those Jews in Rome, or those people in Rome, who just got leveled by Paul in chapters 1, 2, and 3, and are trying to be better in their faith, he's saying, relax, relax. 
have faith in your Savior. So the law's purpose was to drive mankind to faith in God because the law's purpose was to demonstrate that we can't do it on our own. You know one of the best examples? The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 28, a couple of things. He said, you say that you should not kill someone, right? Okay, good enough. I go there. He says, but I say to you, if you even what? Hate. Even if you hate another person, you might as well have killed them. Goodness, that's not fair, is it? He says, uh, you say in the law that you should, man should not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in your mind, you've already done it. And what Jesus was trying to show us is that we can't keep the law. You know what James 2.10, I've told you about James 2.10. I, I mean, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I'd hate James 2.10. Because James 2.10 says, listen, you keep the whole law. You go ahead, you keep the whole law. And, and by just one simple little accident, you stumble on one point. Then you become what? Guilty of it all. Give me a break. <laughs> Why in the world is that there? That's written so that you and I see that we can't do it on our own. We need a Savior. The law is, well, Paul calls it our tutor, our teacher. This is our teacher. And that's what he says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. He says the law, it, it becomes our tutor. It, it teaches us. And it leads us to Jesus Christ, he says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, so that we might be, and here's the key, justified, just as if we've never sinned, justified by faith. That's what the law does. It's my friend Hutch who says anyone who reads the Bible and starts feeling good about themselves, stop, you, you, you're misreading the Bible. The Bible is not written to make you feel good about yourself. The Bible is written to show us how desperately we need a Savior. So faith establishes the law by providing believers, you and me, potential, the possibility of fulfilling the law because what God requires, He always provides. Always. And Paul teaches later, listen, listen what we're going to learn in Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. Listen, listen to this. Paul says, what the law could not do, in other words, what this could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. How? What did God have to do? He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for our sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh when he went to die on the cross. So that, watch now, verse 4, Romans 8, 4, so that, watch, the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. In other words, you can't do it on your own. God had to send his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. What a great thing. What God requires, he provides. 
Paul is going to teach us through these two men, Abraham and David, especially Abraham. Abraham is recognized by any and every Jew as, as being an ideal, righteous man of God who lived by faith. So here, right here in chapter 4, Paul is going to teach that salvation is by faith and faith alone. Watch, watch, watch this now. Salvation is given to mankind by faith. It's apart from any work. It's apart from any merit or credit that we can earn on our own behalf. And in return, through faith, God will give all who chooses to believe in his son salvation. Nothing more, and praise God, nothing less. Salvation. So now I want to read to you three, three verses in chapter 4. Look. So, here's what they ask. What then shall we say? That Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, found. Paul writes, <clears throat> look, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. He can boast all he wants. But he can't boast before God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that none of us should what? Boast. Can't boast before God for any of that. Neither can Abraham. For what does the Scripture say? It says in verse 3, Abraham believed God, and that it was reckoned, that means con given, considered, it was reckoned to him. I like that word, by the way. It's, nobody uses that word anymore, but reckoned to him as righteousness. That's it's reckoned in my, my Bible, but this thing I've had, I'm trying to make it last. I want it to go out with me. It's got, I'm, it's starting to split apart and all of that stuff, but I like those old words sometimes, reckoned. It was reckoned to him as righteousness. By the way, that was written out of, taken out of Genesis chapter 15. Show you in a moment. So, Paul is going to set the case. He's not teaching a new doctrine to the Jews, and he's not going to cancel out the law and set the Jews adrift. No, he's not. He's just going to show anyone and everyone through Abraham and through David, the father of the Jews and the, and the king of the Jews, that we're all in the same boat. As he says in verse 31, great verse, do we nullify the law because of faith? No, may that never be. On the contrary, Paul says, because of faith, we've established the law. We've confirmed that the law is, is right, that you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're sinners, and we need a Savior. Which places every one of us under the very title of being justified by faith, faith alone. So verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 4 clearly states that Father Abraham is and was justified by faith. Paul, who set this case for us in chapters 1, 2, and 3, demonstrated to mankind that they had no hope. But I believe, this is my belief, uh, no scripture doesn't back this up, but I believe he so taught that so hard that those people didn't feel like they had any hope at all. They didn't feel like they had hope at all until he got to faith. 
And so now he makes this transition here in chapter 4 to faith. Now before he deals with faith, he's got to wipe out the whole idea of working your way to God. In other words, being good enough. And he shows how unscriptural it is the idea of trying to work your way to heaven. When he says in verse 2, If Abraham, if Abraham, whom you say is the father of, your, of, 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 the, of the race, he was the one who was sent out by God from Ur to go and, to, and to, to establish the nation of Israel. If he is justified by works, Paul writes in verse 2, then he's got something to boast about, but not before God. Now Paul assumes, rightfully so, that Abraham did many great things, which he did. And he is saying, if a man as great as Abraham could not boast of the things that he did for his salvation, then how can we? Can't. Now I want to touch upon this important point, if I may, that, that many say there's a contradiction. So you're going to have to hold your place here, please, and find James. James, of course, to the right. And if you get to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, turn to the left. And you'll just go past Jude and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and 1st, 2nd Peter. And I think James is right after Peter. Yes, it is. Pardon me? Is that right? Yeah. Oh, Hebrew. Well, no, Hebrew. Well, if you're, going from, if you're going from where we were to, to James, it's right after Hebrews. If you went back to Revelation and moved to the to back that way, it'd be right after 1st, 2nd Peter. That's true. So it's right, Hebrews or first thing Peter. Am I right? Yeah, I'm right. Of course I am. Not of course I am that I'm smart. I'm right. I just, I just looked at it. I saw unless my Bible lost a page or two, which is quite possible, this thing. It's getting a little shaken up. So Paul just stated in Romans that Abraham is not justified by his works, but he is justified by his faith. But I want you to read out of... And I'm telling you, very few people would do this. James chapter 2, verse 21. Look. <coughs> James writes, Was not Abraham our father justified by what? Works? When he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? Wait a minute. Paul just told us he was not justified by works. He was justified by faith. And, and James has just told us, <coughs> was not Abraham justified by his works when he offered up Isaac on the, on the altar? I want you to know that James and Paul are not contradicting one another. Let's see. It's very explainable. James is writing about Abraham when Abraham was older than when Paul was writing about him in, in, in Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, Paul is writing about Abraham when God told him to leave Ur and to go and to establish a nation for himself. James is writing about Abraham when Abraham left, established a place for himself. He and Sarah were promised a child in their old age, I think he was about 100. She was in her 90s. And God said, I'm giving you a son. and Your descendants will be greater than the stars in the heavens. To an old man, he told him that. Now, that's, when, that's, where, James, uh, that's where James is writing about 
Abraham. At, at the birth and after the birth of, of Isaac, when he took Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. So keep that in your mind, please. That's important. God saw Abraham as righteous. God saw Abraham as righteous way back when he said, I want you to leave Ur and I want you to establish a nation. And Abraham upped and left and believed God. Where God said in Genesis 15, 5, I'll bless you and I will give you descendants like the stars of the heavens long before the birth of Isaac. In James, James tells us Abraham was justified by his works when he offered up his son Isaac. But the question is, here's the question. When anyone questions this and says it's a contradiction, you need to ask the question, who is James <clears throat> writing this to? Who is James trying to explain that, that Abraham was justified by his works of offering up his son on an altar? That's the question of questions. Look at verses 22, 23, 24 of James chapter 2. Please stay with me on this because I want you to know this because I don't ever want you to doubt what God's word says. In chapter 2 of James, verse 22, James writes, you see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scriptures were fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him, to Abraham, as righteousness. And he, Abraham, was called the friend of God. Verse 23, I want you to know, was said of Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. Not in chapter 2, when Abraham took Isaac to this mountain to sacrifice him as God had asked him to do. And so James says again in verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Key. Absolutely key. Both tw verse 22 and verse 24 uses two words that are absolutely key to understanding what James is saying. And they are the first two words of verses 22 and 24. You see. James is writing to us. James is writing to the people, human beings who are on earth. He is not writing this for God to see. He is saying, you see, not God. Mankind sees what? Verse 22, we see, we see Abraham's faith perfected by his works. Verse 24, we see, you see, he is justified by his works, not faith alone. God called Abraham righteous, way back when he left Ur, way before he sacrificed or was going to sacrifice Isaac, his son. Do you know that story? Do you not? I hope you do. 
It's when he went up to the mountain and he, was, he raised his knife to kill his son. His, when he was going up there, he was going to make a sacrifice. And his son said, I see the wood. I see the knife. I see everything, but I don't see a lamb. And what did Abraham tell his son? Yeah, I love it that you did that. Abraham told his son, Isaac, the Lord will provide a, a sacrifice for us. That's his faith. That's his faith. Now, God called Abraham righteous long before he was going to sacrifice Isaac on that mountaintop. But we, human beings, we need to see faith at work to know that it's real. You see you see faith perfected by the works, not God's. You see he is justified by works, not God's. God already knows he's justified. Here's what I believe God is doing. I believe he's telling us as believers that to say that you are a Christian and not to live out your faith is tantamount to not really having any faith at all. Because who can see it? Who can see it? You know a story I told you a while back? I'm going to go a little bit long. I'm so sorry. You know the story I told you way back when there was a, a guy that said he was a believer and he was one of the ball players, one of the baseball players, and, and, and he was cussing and using bad language and he was telling dirty jokes. And, and one of the guys told me, more than one, told me that when he went on the road, he had some other people he went with and the guy was married. I'll never tell you who this person is, ever in a minute. You can torture me, and I wouldn't tell you. But I went to him one day, and I said, look it, I want to ask you a favor. Remember the story? And he said, sure, I'll do anything for you. What is it? And I said, I don't want you to come to chapel anymore because you're disrupting the whole team because everybody thinks that you say you're, to everybody you're a Christian and you live like dirt, and, and, and you're, you're ruining it for those of us that <coughs> have a, a trust and a faith in God. And so for the other guys to see that we're serious about our faith, I don't want you to come anymore. And he was devastated. And there was a good ending to this. He, he did straighten out his life as, as I understand it. And he thanked me, by the way, for being straight up with him and telling him what I told him. And so we see, you and I, we can see faith by, by doing something, by, 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 by works, but, but not God. God sees Jesus Christ in yours in my heart. And so what I believe God is saying here, if I may, and this, this was not in any commentary, this is just me talking to you. I believe God's telling us, be real with your faith. Let people see you doing good things so that it matches what you say about your Savior. In James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, James says these words, Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Someone may well say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What James is saying here is that you and I won't ever know if a person is a believer just by what he says until we watch him live out his life, until we see evidence of it. There are so many of you here that I do. Bill, you just, you exude faith in Christ when I'm with you at least. 
I don't know how you are around others, but when you're around me, man, when I see you on Wednesday morning, my, my, my life brightens up because I see a man that walks with God and matches his talk. And that, I believe, is what is happening in James. James is not contradicting Paul, not in the least. James is just putting shoe leather onto faith, showing us what God already knows. By the way, by the way, did Abraham sacrifice his son Isaac? No, God stopped him. God stopped him. Why? Well, because the sacrifice wasn't necessary. His works, <coughs> Abraham's, did not affect God in the least. You know why? Because God had already seen Abraham as righteous. He had already seen him as a man who walked by faith because God doesn't have to look at what we do. He can see our hearts. But you, you see, I see, I see the effect of your faith by what you and I do. And that's what James is saying. You want to see your faith so that it, it lifts up and it, it, it encourages the family of God. God doesn't need to see it. Remember this great verse in Ephesians, we are God's workmanship. We have been created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand so that we can just walk in them. You see, God already saw Abraham's faith long before he took Isaac to that mountain. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham didn't have a child yet. And all Abraham, all Abraham had was the word of God. That's all he had. Go and leave her. Didn't tell him even where he was going. Told him he was going to have a, a, a child. And he was near 100, I guess. The wife was in her 90s. Abraham only had God's word. He had no other promise in his old age. All he was asked to do is simply believe God. And he did the only thing that a person can do without doing anything else, and that is believe. Believe. Faith, it's the key to your life and my life. There are no works done here, folks. Not in James chapter 2. He didn't kill his son. He didn't sacrifice his son. He just believed God. And as this lady said, he believed that God would provide a sacrifice. And listen, what God requires, he always provides. Abraham's faith was not an act of works. No, no, it wasn't. Abraham's faith was an attitude of obedience. And I guess if I want to say anything to us tonight, if I leave you and me with anything, it's to be obedient to what you know you ought to do. You say, well, I don't know much. All I know is, well, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Okay, that's enough. That's enough for now. Know the fact that Jesus loves you. You see, in James chapter 2, we wouldn't be able to see Abraham's faith just by him saying he was a man of faith. 
We knew that he was the man of faith by what he did. So he said, faith without works is it's, it's dead to humans. We don't know. Faith was not an act of ba- bravery on, on Isaac's, I mean, excuse me, Abraham's part. It wasn't a change of his character nor his, his nature. No. Abraham just believed God would do what God said he was going to do. And that's where you and I have got to get as we walk this walk. We've got to have our faith not in our faith. Am I beating that to death? We have to have our faith in our Savior because He is greater than anything and everything, which Jeff tells me all the time. There's another man, Bill, that is like you. When I see him walk in on Wednesday morning, my day gets better. Well, God does the same to us today that He did to Abraham, that He did to everybody that has ever lived, that has trusted in Him by faith. He gives us his righteousness. As it said in Romans chapter 2, let me leave you with this. God judges the secrets of our hearts through Jesus Christ. He doesn't need to see your work. No, he, he looks at your heart. The ones that need to see your work is us. You've got to see, am I faithful? Do I come and show up and try my best every time? try that's my works but this what I did tonight that's not going to get me to heaven nah it's not going to get me to heaven what's going to get me to heaven is Jesus Christ who died for my sin this is just an expression of my love what's yours father help us to understand what a great privilege we have by faith. And let us see what Paul is trying to do to these dear people in Rome and us too so that he doesn't beat us down so deeply that we can't see up <coughs> and, uh, and then we try to work our way to you. And that's, that's a dead end road. No. Let us just simply trust in you. And let our things that we do, the works that we do, just be an expression of our love. That's it. Plain and simple. So, Lord, thank you for a Saturday night service. We, we pray that it will grow, Lord. We pray that we can continue this tradition and that you will bless us. And also, Father, we pray that Sunday morning will really take off. It will be just uh, a time where people will come back if they, if they may and, and will. And... Uh, and enjoy our our fellowship and our time together with one another. Bless both venues, Father, both Saturday night as well as Sunday morning. And if it be your will, Father, get us us a place uh, soon. But your will be done. We're happy where we are. In Jesus' precious name, amen.